0: Welcome to the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. As investigators and mediators focused on regulatory and workplace conflicts, we have seen a thing or two and learned a thing or two. In each episode, we will be speaking with industry leaders in regulation, human resources, and law, as well as thought leaders and top performers in investigations and mediation. We bring our audience interesting and cutting-edge information on conflict management as it relates to professional regulation and workplace disputes. This industry is one of many views, and we have to say that some views shared by our guests are not necessarily shared by the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast, its host, or sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bernard and Associates, trusted investigation and mediation professionals since 2004. Now here's your host, Dean Bernard. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Now, this one's going to be a little bit different. Some of you might like it, some maybe not so much, because for the next little bit, you get to listen to me just talk while I share some thoughts and set the stage for our 2022 season of the podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I'd really like to set up the year ahead with a few reflections on what I've personally observed in our organization's work this past year and some of the things that I've seen out there in the social media world. And today I want to talk about neutrality, credibility, and fairness – both regulatory and workplace investigations as most of our listeners know our investigation work includes working with professional regulators which constitutes about 60 percent of our work give or take and conducting workplace investigations which would be the other 40 percent now these two areas of investigation are actually very different but they still have some similar themes within them some similar processes within them on the regulatory side our investigative work is about gathering relevant information for decision makers who then determine the outcome of a case. Now, these cases can come from public complaints, employer reports, self-reporting, and even media information that raises concern for a regulator. And the mission of a regulatory investigation is to gather evidence in a balanced manner. This means gathering evidence that might support or refute a complaint or a concern. With that information, informed decisions can be made. Investigators in this context often take their direction from the decision makers, but also have the leeway to determine what information is relevant to a case. Now, in this type of investigation, the investigator doesn't comment on the evidence. They don't offer conclusions or assess credibility or make recommendations. Their reports are really just a laying out of the information that's been gathered. All the information that has been gathered and is deemed relevant to that particular matter that's being investigated. The investigator really in in large part is a tool of the committee, utilized for their skill at identifying relevant information and obtaining it through a variety of methods. Regulatory investigators must be very keen to maintain neutrality in all they do. I've been conducting and managing regulatory investigations since 2000, and I think the most horrifying accusation that I could ever face would be to be accused of not being fair or neutral. This simply can't happen in in my world, and it's paramount that we as investigators do all we can to ensure it doesn't. Now, in contrast to the regulatory investigation, we have the workplace investigation. In these types of investigations, our job is quite a bit broader. We do all the work I mentioned in a regulatory case, like gathering the evidence on both sides of the issue, but we also assess that information. We do make findings of credibility, and we draw conclusions on the issues. And these conclusions are typically used by the employer to support whatever decision they're going to make in terms of next steps. So in short, we are the investigator and the decision maker in a workplace investigation setting. The common theme around these two types of investigations is neutrality. We must be neutral in our thinking and our approach to the investigations we do. Our approach has got to be unbiased and balanced. Our job is not to get someone. It is just like the regulatory cases. It is to get to the truth. That's the goal. And when you look at public statements of some investigators on social media and elsewhere, on one hand, I applaud their personal commitment to social justice, human rights, and the desire to see harassment-free workplaces. But at some point, these public positions can have the effect of creating a brand, creating an aura around that particular individual. That individual who is supposed to be neutral, and I'm sure in most cases they do their level best to be neutral, and they probably are neutral in in what they're doing, but it's the optic that can be created. When you have a brand, you set an expectation about what you stand for, and as an investigator, this brand could create expectations for certain types of findings that it's thought you might be likely to make. So this could make it more difficult for an investigator, for example, who has a socially progressive public brand, to make certain findings. When these things are put out in the public domain, it could be a threat to the investigator's brand, and the investigator may be subtly incentivized to deviate from their otherwise high standards of neutrality. So the task of an investigator to continuously improve means strengthening their practice with education and trauma-informed interviewing, deepening their grasp of equity issues that impact workplace harassment, and increasing the sophistication of their credibility assessments of the parties that they meet with. But these efforts to improve our practice don't need to grandstand. They certainly don't need to lock our clients into an expectation that our work will make certain types of findings because we've branded ourselves a certain type of investigator. So when I look at Many workplace investigators, and I see the comments they make on social media, sometimes get concerned when they assert their passion for eradicating the horrible bosses, flushing out the harassers, and eliminating those who would make our workplaces toxic. I applaud their desire to see a better world around them, and I applaud their efforts at raising awareness of these types of issues. And I, too, want to see an end to harassment and bullying and abuse of power and psychologically unsafe workplaces. I want to see great leaders who inspire and support and even serve those they lead. But I'm not going to be a crusader for this type of change. I believe it's very important as investigators to maintain a dispassionate approach to the outcomes of our work while maintaining a passion for the truth and the quality of the work they do. We don't prejudge and we look for information from all sources that informs the decisions that we make. When investigators spend their time announcing their mission to eradicate the bad apples and encouraging organizations to get after them they start to appear biased investigations must always be about evidence evidence that is gathered fairly analyzed objectively and investigators must keep an open mind to all the possibilities and allow the evidence to point them to the conclusions not their preconceived conclusion to dictate the evidence they gather or the evidence they pay attention to when i see people on these kinds of missions publicly denouncing this behavior and professing their disdain for those who might engage in such behavior, I get concerned because they're creating that optic that might lead some to question their neutrality and whether their professed disdain for this behavior could cloud their judgment. Investigators are trusted to gather the right information, seek it from the right sources, and be objective in determining what information is enough when they need more and what they're going to do with that evidence. Subtle biases, some even unconscious, can lead to errors and missing key information that can make a difference. This not only applies to the issues I've mentioned, but many other aspects of social justice, biases about gender, race, disability, age. All of these things are biases that we need to understand about ourselves. We all have them. You can't deny it. Everybody has biases. And we have to guard against allowing those biases to negatively influence the work we do and ultimately to negatively influence the ability to provide fair, transparent, and balanced services as investigators. So the passion we have to have as investigators is a passion for the truth, whatever it is, and a passion for processes and approaches being fair, a passion for basing decisions on evidence and not opinion, and finally a passion for constantly improving our understanding of fairness, transparency, and how it is applied to the work we do. All right, preaching over. (laughs) I'm done. But I do want to talk about another topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that is trauma informed practice. As I reflect on 2021, I realize that I probably gave more talks on trauma informed practice than any other topic. The concept of trauma informed investigation or trauma informed mediation isn't new. I mean, it's been around for many years. And, you know, I think that what people don't know is that trauma informed practice doesn't require us to be experts at determining exactly what type of trauma somebody might or might not have experienced. Uh, We don't have to be knowledgeable and have details about a person's history. In other words, trauma-informed practice can and should be the norm in how we engage with people. We call it trauma-informed practice, but the concepts of that practice are concepts that should be applied to all of our communications. Our communication skills and our understanding of bias, our willingness to tread carefully and be empathetic are all traits of trauma-informed practice. But I would argue they're all traits of being a good human being. In investigations, our job is to gather information. In that process, we have to communicate with people from all walks of life. And as we do this, we have to be aware that we can't predict their understanding, their past experiences, the intersection between their past experiences and what we're asking of them. Race, age, gender, even economic status all have an impact on people's perception. Their perception is most often based on their lived experience, which may very well be vastly different from our own. In light of this, we absolutely must get educated and well-practiced in this approach to our work. And this is where trauma-informed perspectives and trauma-informed practice uh, is just so important. Now, why do I bring up the issue of neutrality and trauma-informed practice? Well, it's not to educate people here, because uh, in this short little podcast, I'm not really educating so much as I am raising awareness Maybe I'm on my soapbox right now, but I want to encourage people to seek out this knowledge. If you're an investigator and you're looking to make a difference out there, you need to be neutral. You need to be aware of your biases. You need to understand that the lived experience that you have is not necessarily the lived experience of others. And those impacts that people have faced in their lives are things that you may never understand fully, and it's only through a proper approach Being empathetic, being open-minded, these are the traits and the practices that make investigators good at what they do. Now, you know, we're going to do our part on this front in terms of education by seeking out guests for the show this year who can give us insights into these issues. And I'm really looking forward to some of the people that we have lined up for 2022. I have to say, it's been a great fun creating this podcast. I started it around mid-year or maybe a little before mid-year last year, and it's been really gratifying to hear some of the feedback on it. I hope to improve it for 2022, but I do need your help. So I'm asking you, reach out to me. Share your thoughts and your ideas for topics. Even suggest guests who you think would be good for our audience. I can be reached many ways. You can call the office at one 733 2226 Ask to speak to me, they'll connect you. Email me through our contact page at bernardinc.com. You can message me on LinkedIn or even go to the Bernard and Associates YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great content there, by the way. You might want to check some of it out. So some really good presentations. In fact, one 90-minute recorded presentation on trauma-informed investigation that some people might like to check out. Whatever you prefer in terms of reaching me is fine with me. I just want to thank all of you for tuning into the podcast today and when you have in the past, Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful 2022. And with that, I will say goodbye until the next episode of the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.